Good evening and welcome to the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast from the horse's mouth. My name is Georgie Roberts and I'll be your host tonight for episode 22. Tonight we're discussing nutrition for the horse with our wonderful veterinary experts, Dr. Rissa Parker from Glen Austin Veterinary Clinic. And gut health is being indicated in a whole host of issues with horses, from high performance to actual mental health of equestrians. So, Rissa, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Oh, pleasure. Where did your fascination with um, nutrition start? Well, that's quite a funny story. So, as you know, I'm fanatical about foals, and I always did a lot of foal work. So, I always used to obviously help with the broodmares and the foals, and then people would say, "How how should I feed her? And I would go... Well, she looks great, so carry on doing what you're doing, because I knew sweet nothing about it. I ended up going to a congress where one of the Kentucky Equine Research guys was lecturing, and I said, oh, nutrition is so boring. He said, oh, I suppose you love blood and guts and doing gelding. And I said, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. He said, okay, challenge is on. So he got me hooked into nutrition well and truly good, and yeah, it, it actually, everything's built on nutrition. Yeah. If, and it's the same with us. If you don't eat yeah. well and you don't feed properly. Well, the, the, the standard thing is they say you can't out-train a bad diet. Yeah. So it's, it makes sense that mm. it's, it should be the, follow the same for our equine yeah. athletes. And the interesting thing is that foals, even you know, when they're developing inside the mare, how you feed the mare matters. So it's, it was quite ironical that I kind of had that very blasé, um, uneducated approach about yeah. feeding. But it was because we didn't really get taught very well at university. It's one of the weaker oh. points at veterinary. And we were kind of guessing, and you kind of let the feed companies or somebody else tell. Oh. And it was also a bit of, you know, how did granddad do the feeding or how did yeah. your instructor feed? or you yeah. know? We carry on doing the things that we've always done. Unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. So how, does, how is the horse's gut, let me just pause that, sorry. How is the horse's gut structured? And because I think that's a really important starting place for us to understand why we should feed the way that you're going to discuss with us. So the horse is actually defined as a hind gut fermenter. So basically what they do is they they like ruminants because they ferment grass, but they ferment it at the back end of their digestive system. So they're a little bit complicated. So they also have a stomach that's more like ours, and they have a small intestine that does some work that our intestines do, but then they have a massive hind gut. So they have a cecum, which is actually our appendix. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, didn't know that. none of us can eat grass anymore, oh. and most a lot of people have lost their appendixes without any problem. Oh. A horse's appendix is massive; it's the cecum, and that's where a lot of the fermentation takes place. And then the rest of the intestine, large intestine, is where fermentation, reabsorption of water, and other products takes place. So that's in an overview the difference of a horse's gut yeah. to. And that's why we can compare some of the things with us, with mm-hmm. humans, and we can compare them with cattle because they are fermenters. But their fermentation takes place in a different area in their gut. That's the, the, the primary yeah, difference. Yeah, they have a small intestine that does do quite a lot of work, but it's very short relative to compared to ours or that of a pig okay. or another species. And what, what problems does that create in, a, in like the modern way that we look after we horses? horses? So... so I don't know if we can show this picture. Maybe we should try. Yeah, we've try got to a picture here. I'm going to try and turn it around and see if you can see it. Can you see that? Okay, so that gives you an idea. That is a diagrammatic scheme of the size of the intestine, proportional. So that's the so stomach. The stomach at the is top. only 10% of the entire intestine. Then and you get the small intestine, which is a curly whirly piece. 
Then you have the cecum, which is that comma-shaped It looks so neat thing. like this. I wish it looked <laughs> like this when, <laughs> when, when, when you opened them up, yeah. <laughs> then you have the cecum, which is that comma-shaped thing, and then you have the large intestine after that. But that diagram gives you an idea of the capacity of feeding. Yeah. So that stomach is only 10% of their capacity. And what is the capacity? I mean, I know it varies, obviously, from size horse to so, size so horse. So to give you a shock, generally. should I leave that there? To give you a shock... The cecum can have a capacity of 50 litres. Good Lord. It can okay. hold 50 litres of fluid and food. The stomach, we reckon we shouldn't give them any more than two kilos of concentrates at any time. Two kilograms. Two to two and a half kilos of carbohydrate concentrates. So these days with having um, cubed roughages, mm. you could probably get away with giving a bit more at that time, but it's not a good idea to give too much. That stomach can't cope with it. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure also if you are feeding above the capacity, then you're pushing undigested food into the rest of the gut. Yeah, so that's okay. exactly what happens. So the carbohydrates don't get absorbed. in the, They get broken down in the stomach, and then they should go into the small intestine okay. where you get lots of absorption of carbs. And then the rest of the food gets dumped into the cecum. If they aren't broken down, they end up in the cecum. Okay. And then the pH changes. And then okay. that's what kills the microbes. And the microbes are the little guys who are doing all the hard work. And that's where you often have horses sitting in this unhealthy imbalance all the time. Um, and they just need one little episode to happen and everybody gets upset. It's and the microbes the... die. And is that why we get the colics or the diarrhea or the laminitis? Those are all horses who are probably living on the edge because of this ongoing imbalance getting into the cecum. Okay. So that's, that's quite interesting. Okay. So so basically so so what is what should the feeding regime be based on when you're looking at roughage versus concentrates? Yeah. So I always say to people when I ask them because I do a lot of analysis so I say what does your horse get? And the first thing they always want to give me is a concentrate. Mm. It's actually not the concentrates, it's the roughage. So you should always build your horse's diet on roughage. What roughage are you using and how much are you giving them? And what is the quality? And unfortunately, it varies around the country. And that's something that I've really spent a lot of time looking at now. I've got an analysis of our grasses throughout South Africa. Mm. And while they vary from season to season, and ideally, if I had enough money, I'd analyze every single cutting yeah. every year. But it gives me a rough idea of what horses are given. Okay. So here in the high felt, we feed Erogrostis, or a lot of people do, and Tef. And then there's Lucerne and Ote. Those are sort of the four main roughages we have. In the, east, in the Kozulu Natal side of the country, they use red grass, which is that Thamida triandra, which has actually got quite a nice sugar content. And guys, when I talk about sugar, I'm not talking about crazy sugar. This is water-soluble carbohydrates. So this is the sugar that the horse's system is designed to have. So they don't get Good. crazy from okay. it. It's not heating. It's, it's the most healthy way we can feed a horse. It's what so they're designed to do. It is what they're do. designed to do. And I... I always say, so the ideal life of a horse without us interfering would be graze, walk, drink some water, walk back to the grazing. And then, of course, as all of us know from going to Kruger Park, there's not a lot of grazing around the waterhole. Mm. You actually have to walk quite far to get to your grass, which means you're getting exercise, mm. which is something that we also don't do. No, we pop them in stables. So we, we have sort of um, McDonald's takeaways for our horses <laughs> mostly. <laughs> Because they stand in a stable all day, all night, mm. and they go out to a little paddock. And what mm. happens in the paddock? They get more food. Yeah. So you might as well be doing a drive-through. Yeah. And how much exercise are they getting? 20 minutes, mm. half an hour, really maybe an hour. I mm. mean, 
we all know that 20 minutes on a treadmill doesn't always cut it. No. If you're not, if you're Sandy. eating. Especially not if you're eating McDonald's drive through <laughs> I was about to say, if you're on that's three meals a day, yeah. you're not going to look your best. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things. And along with all that comes our behavior problems. Because okay. they're not designed to do that either. You know, we, we feed horses. It's also easy to blame the food, them. but yeah. you know, the, the movement is quite a big consideration then in the horse's temperament and behavior. Yeah. And it's not natural not to be looking for your food, mm. for it to just be put on a plate all the time. Mm. You know, that's not a, a. On this discussion, I see that these slow feeding nets are mm. becoming quite popular. Big. What yeah. uh, so And the way that it was explained to me is that. Ordinarily, they would be grazing and moving and grazing and moving, and now we're cutting the best cuts of grass and shoving the McDonald's drive-through into, <laughs> into their, their face. face yeah. Whereas now the slow feeder mimics that, yeah. that so grazing. So they have to actually pull the grass out of the net, okay. so you have a better, yeah, slower way of taking in your hay okay. um, and chewing it a bit more slowly. So that also increases. So there's some interesting statistics. So if you, the one is that you can, if you give a horse a kilo of Hay a day, I mean a kilo per kilo that you feed, they will produce. I'm just having a look here um, 2.9 liters of fluid. Sure. No, sorry, that's oh. green grass. Hay oh, okay. will produce 6.5 liters of fluid. Sorry, I was just looking it up. Cubed food only produces 1.9 saliva fluid. Really? So immediately you go. So you've lubri no, not really lubricated your gut. And what does and what does saliva do? It's a pH balancer to your acid in your stomach. Oh, that's fascinating. So saliva's pH is eight, and the stomach's pH is two to two point five. Oh, that's really interesting. So if you don't okay. have enough saliva going in, you already have too much acid. Now, oops, we're starting to acidify our stomachs too much. Then we start with pathologies start like with ulcers and things like ulcers. That's really interesting. So that's also so this so and why do yards get stuck in this concentrate heavy? There I suppose it's reasons. easy. I mean, there was a very interesting paper put out by Kentucky Equine before one of the big Olympic games. They went around all of, of Australia's Olympic riders and they asked them, "How do you feed your horses?" Sixty percent of those riders didn't know. Their, their, their yard managers and their sure. teachers knew how they were being fed. And something like 30% were feeding the way their grandparents had fed or somebody had told them some ancestral sort of yeah. way of feeding. And only 10% were really involved in, in advanced nutritional advice. That's really And I think that that's what happens. People have done it like that forever. They go on doing it. And we assume, we assume that we've handed it over to someone who's good at it without yeah, actually and, and people investigating. Say, I mean, I have a joke often with people, you know, well, I've been doing it for 40 years. That doesn't make it right. Yeah, it Just because you got away we with did it a lot doesn't of things. mean. Yeah. There's that great, um, it's a great anecdotal tale about the, the little girl who sees her mom roasting a chicken and she always cuts the bottom of the chicken off. And she says, mom, why do we do it like that? And the mom says, because that's the way granny did it. And she says, well, why? And they phone Granny, and Granny says, I didn't have a roasting pan that was big enough for the chicken. <laughs> so I used to cut the bottom off. And I just think that's exactly. absolutely. And we, exactly. we get very attached to that narrative that this is how we've always done it. And it seems to have worked, or we haven't had a problem. Mm. So it's only when we have a problem that we go and start trying to figure out what, mm. the, what it is. But we should be always looking at the science and trying to see, are we doing what's right? So there's a mm. lot of, and that's where I got hooked into this whole nutrition conversation, because... I suddenly realized there was a massive amount of research going on, and I didn't have a clue. 
I had to learn a whole that's, lot of new it's stuff. It's great to, it's, and I think that's the, that's what you always hope for in your professionals, is that mm. they're never too big to say, well, you know, let's let's look into this. I just want to pop a reminder to everyone who is listening that if you want to ask us any questions, I would highly recommend you take advantage of that and pop your request in the comments section there. So, Riss, you did mention sugar, and I know that as the mother of a small child, everyone says sugar is the devil, but equestrians are a little bit different, and this is one of the myths that I would like yeah. to tackle, where um, sugar is not necessarily one of the things we're alarmed by as much as protein. So I always hear people saying, oh, it's high protein content, you know, high, and like that's obviously, again, I've grown up with that and learning that 16% protein is the devil, and it doesn't make any sense. So, so can we talk about that? protein is not the devil. <laughs> the devil is sugar. So you as a mom, you got uh, it right. Uh, there are two different sugars in horses. So I talked about water-soluble carbohydrates. Mm. So I have my little graphs here just to kind of highlight the fact. So water-soluble carbohydrates or sugars are not bad for horses. This is not what makes horses crazy or hot. As you know, hot, we all talk about a hot horse. The carbohydrate that comes in things like molasses, so that's a sugar that we don't want to feed horses. The, but horses like it. It's the same as us and it's yeah. the same as dogs. They all like sugar yeah. and they all love like a salt. One. You yeah. know, exactly. So molasses isn't a great thing to add. The other things are the raw carbohydrates. So things like maize, oats, um, even lupins, those things, they come with quite okay. a lot of carb. Bran. Bran is a very good source of energy, by the way. It really? It says it has nothing in it. It does have stuff in it. It also That's has interesting. good protein in it, believe it or not. Okay. So, so people a lot are feeding so bran muffins to horses to, to, <laughs> yeah. to make them fat and quiet, not so. Exactly. Okay. It's probably less than others, okay. but I think you always need to be aware that they all have an element in them. So going back to protein, protein is not the devil. Mm. And in fact, you can feed a lot of protein. Do you know that spring grass, you know, grass is coming mm -hmm. through, 25% protein? That's incredible. So and compared to compared to the other grasses, because this is something that really fascinates me. Mm. When we do start this nutrition journey, we start to look at all the labels on all of our feeds. Mm. But the roughage, which we're feeding so much of, we don't we don't get access to knowing what's yeah, what, what that is. And that's the most important. So that's why I've analysed a lot. And of these and grasses. what what kind of protein are are, are grasses so sitting at? So grasses can have a fair amount. I mean, they can have ten. Eight to ten percent okay. are dried grasses. So I mean, they they have protein. Yeah. In them. And so whereas you know, if you look at so, so I think the important thing that you need to understand is that you have amino acids are what make protein. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're the building blocks of of all muscle and everything that we have in our bodies. We have essential and non-essential amino acids. Non-essential amino acids are the ones that we need to take in because our bodies can't produce them. And all of every species has a different profile amino acid that they require. So horses' amino acid profile that they require is threonine, lysine, which is the thing that a lot of people keep adding to their feeds. Methionine is another one. But threonine and lysine are the two most important. They come in our grasses, but not a lot. And that's where we need to then feed for those. Okay. Okay, so... We feed those grasses, but then we need to add something to those grasses. So the most important thing to realize is that Basically, why do zebra look fantastic? They eat that, grass that, and rocks, as far oh. as I can tell. <laughs> I mean, they, it fascinates they, me how they always look amazing. They do. On nothing. But what do they have to do in life? 
no, they just have to kick the odd line. That's, you know, yeah. and I think or they quite away. enjoy that. Or run away while yeah. Eddie gets eaten yeah. <laughs> and then put their heads down and carry on eating again. You know, I mean, that's oh. the, the sum total amount of exercise they do. They're not doing a performance. But I suppose they also are living in a more natural environment. Yeah. It's really interesting. But they don't need a lot because mm. they're not under a lot of stress. The only stress they might be under is being chased by the lion. Every and, they, and, then. and they deserve it, frankly. You know, they yeah, need a little run around. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so if you, if you think of that, then you realize that they're really... Yeah, our horses don't have a huge requirement until we start if, demanding things. I suppose also if you are feeding a roughage based, and what should the ratio be? Like so how much how much roughage so to concentrate? My ideal is that you want to feed ten percent, uh, one to two percent of the body weight. Okay. In hay, so does that ten kilos a day of hay okay. for a five hundred kilo horse, and about five hundred grams of protein. That they require. Oh, okay. okay. 500 to a kilo. So this is where I have great fun. So what is a balancer? A balancer, and it's an international word, by the way. Mm. Balancer was designed to balance hay. Okay, grass. that's great. So it's a, it's a balance. What is it? It's a little bit, and this is my analogy, so apologies to everyone who's already <laughs> heard it. Take Nescafe. You take a cup, one mug, and you put a teaspoon in, you have a great cup of coffee. That's, a, that's your balancer for the day. If you have five cups and you have to share the, the coffee, you're all going to have a little bit. You've got to drink every cup to get the equal amount of Nescafe mm. into your body, right? Mm. All your normal foods that are not a balancer have a part of balancer in them. Okay. So to get the total amount of balancer into a horse per day, you need to read the label. If the label says feed six to eight kilos a day, Good Lord, that's yeah. to make sure you get all the balancer okay. that the horses require. Okay. Okay. So balancer it's... has a high protein, and it then has the minerals and the nutrients and the um, vitamins in it that we don't get in our grass. So that's your standard go-to for a horse. That's, in, that's, that's a good that's, doer okay. who's on fantastic roughage. And, I mean, I have quite a lot of top horses, competition mm. horses who are on good roughage and balancer. Sure. And a kilo a day That's of balancer. Great. You don't need more because it's designed for a kilo a day. Okay. So, and please, if, if a horse is not gaining weight and it doesn't look great, don't add more balancer because all you're doing is adding more protein, vitamins, and minerals. Oh. You're not adding the nutrients as in the carbs and those things that they need to put on condition. Okay. Okay, so, so from a basic, a, a beginning point, good roughage, Fantastic roughage. So I'm going to show to this again just because my cameraman smiled, which was quite fun. <laughs> so what is the difference between these two? I asked Georgie earlier. Can you spot the difference? The one's greener and the one's yellower. Okay. The, the one's, one's got thick yeah. stalks. Yeah, the one's a lot more fibrousy. Mm. So one is teff and one is erogrostis. Let's turn this over. Look how nice oh, those great. seeds are. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, so this is Teff and this is Erogrostis. So we always think, oh, it's green, the green so it's is beautiful, nicer. but it's not. The yellow is the beautiful. Yes, you get the odd horse who will always break the rule and say he prefers Erogrostis, but for the most part, horses will go for the Teff. And is the sugar content in the Teff higher? Higher. So it's okay. a water-soluble carbohydrate, so okay. it is higher. So nutritionally, horses would have to, to make up for, so if you fed 10 kilos of Erogrostis and Eight kilos of, ten kilos of teff. 
you'd need to add two kilos of lucerne to make up for the difference that you're not feeding. Wow, that's amazing. So, okay. so, so that kind of gives you an idea of the difference. The problem with aerogrossus is those thick fibers, and I always say they look like um, thatching grass, yes, that a need a lot of digestion by the gut. Okay. And they're the things that often cause eye impactions. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so what's the right amount of fiber for horses? Because they obviously need... So 2% body weight okay. is what a horse should And that's get. the limit. Okay. Now, you know, give or take, quality grass is, is what matters. I like a bit of teff and I like lucerne. And lucerne comes with a whole I was just going to say, can I, can I drive pieces. you wild and say my horse is too crazy for lucerne? Like, is that a common... It's a lovely statement. And some people will... We beg to differ and will remain to differ. Oh. I don't believe that. I think that lucerne, the odd horses definitely may have an allergy to lucerne and we see diarrhea from it. So oh. I do think that that happens. I see it more in the Cape. And in the and Cape, is, I've seen an allergy. And when allergy you say an allergy, is it quite just rich or? We don't know. Okay. They just get a diarrhea. So if it's a, maybe an, like we call IBD in humans, yes. but oh. there's that kind of thing we don't know yet. Okay. But I've definitely seen horses that really can't have lucerne and they get a diarrhea. Mm. That, I think, is more realistic than saying it makes them hot and crazy. Okay. I do think sometimes people have often told me that balancer is a crazy food, makes my horse crazy. I think that if you're starving a horse because it's crazy and you're not feeding it and you start giving it balancer, mm. and it's it like you well. taking your multivitamins or your mm. child taking their multivitamins, mm. they're going to bounce off the walls because mm. they're feeling good. Mm. And you might have I'm to afraid. change, a but I think a regime change yes. then is what is and, and, and manage more paddock the time. temperament mm. rather than starve the horse. Mm. So then you've got to look at other ways of handling that. Mm. So just on that, if you want to make a horse fat without making it crazy, then use a good quality grass, use lucerne, and then use a balancer and add oil. Oil? Oil what is kinds a of fantastic oils? fattening, non-heating and, and, and what oil? Because I know canola. Okay. No, so corn oil. So, this is where mm. we all change. When I started, corn oil was everything. Yeah. Corn oil is very high in omega 6. Okay. And low in 3. So, omega 6 is pro inflammatory. Oh, that's And omega 3 is an anti inflammatory. Oh, wow. Okay. So, omega 3s are what we all should be. For. And, yeah. you know, if you can afford to buy fish, salmon, oil for your horse, then go for it. You know, okay. that nice cold pressed, yes. expensive stuff. So I actually am making, that's what I'm making at the moment. So oh, we have Super Omega 3 okay. with vitamin E added, and that's a krill. So that's raw vitamin, vitamin E added to an Omega 3 oil to help with condition. That's fantastic. And that stops horses. Horses won't get fat. And vitamin E is a great, now I'm going sidetracking. Vitamin E is a fantastic anti-inflammatory. It's an antioxidant. It plays a huge role in... A lot of the cascades that we talk mm. about enzymatic. So it's very good for colostrum, for the mare to produce colostrum. It assists with fertility. It stops itchy skins to a large extent. I was just going to say. So, so you have a really huge benefit from this. So we've got a lot of horses now on this. What I'm hearing as well, which is really interesting, is a lot of the things that you're mentioning are things that we've seen attached in literature to calming, you know, so like exactly. vitamin E for calming. Yeah. But it's actually just having a well horse thing well that's horse, maybe yeah. not in inflammatory And it's an antioxidant. So if you've got oxidation taking place, you're going to be anxious. That's really so interesting. That's okay. So to go back to oils, your best is your omega-3s, not your, so your oil, okay. and canola oil. Okay. So canola, which is the rapeseed plant oil, is your best. 
So nowadays, we oil's got so expensive because of mm. Ukraine and all that. So that's why I've also gone into trying to produce this um, fill. That's which amazing. Is, it works out cheaper, and it's not um, doesn't walk out of the feed room as quickly okay. either. Okay. It stinks. I wouldn't eat it. Oh, really, really. And do the horses <laughs> mind it? So we we start off by saying give them a little, little bit, bit each day, and once they get used to it, then they'll eat it. Okay. So I had but the most fussy eater at home. Okay. Zabaya, you'll remember. Yes. Yeah. So she wouldn't eat it. And then I discovered the groom was trying to give her the whole scoop at once. Oh, and I started on a little bit and she ended up eating it. So then I, okay. she was our trial horses. So but that's amazing. Mm. That's really interesting. That's really good. Yeah. So, so something I just want to pull back to mm. what you mentioned earlier on, because I know when we open up a bag of food, we all, people attach people emotions <laughs> to what we're looking at. And I remember working overseas at one point and opening up a bag of food, and it was, it was like muesli, but it was mm. sticky with the molasses, and it was amazing. And I went, oh, this looks amazing. And the, the person, thank God, you know, was working with somebody really experienced. They went, no, that's terrible. terrible. That's really <laughs> not good. And I was like, but this is delicious. Like, what? So, Same as us. Okay, so, so is this one of the things we need to start changing our perception about? With so food? we have to a huge extent. So when I started looking at nutrition, which is now about 15 years ago, um, we had a huge percentage of um, molasses in all our foods. Mm. And then the trend started to decrease. So now most of the feed companies are bringing it right down to less than 8%, 6%, even lower than that. What you need to do is look at, when you look at food, also make sure that you're not confusing the molasses with oil. So oh, some of okay. the foods That's... are, some are, especially our mueslis, okay. have quite a bit of oil in them. Okay. So the oil is used to bind all the fines. They call them fines, and that's your um, vitamins and mineral pack because it's a powder. So to get that to bind in the food and not blow away every time you feed your horse, they add a bit of oil. And then and the oil's anyway touch, good for them. There's okay. a touch of molasses in that that just acts as a binding agent. Okay. So there is always a little bit of molasses, but we've, we're doing really well. Most of the feeds are low. There are some that are high, and my favorite thing is just to taste it. I can always yes. know straight away that there's a lot of molasses in it. Yeah, not. too much. Look, if you have a horse you won't eat and you've got a problem horse, then something's better than nothing. And I think, again, to your point, it's every horse is an individual, individual and we yeah. really should be catering to that, that, you know, and, yeah. and I, I think I'm seeing by and large in the big yards that I go into, moving away from before, they would be like, well, we feed this, yeah. and this is what, and now you see there are bins on bins on bins. Yeah. That I think is also dangerous, and we always laugh as vets. Why do we have so many colics on a weekend and a public holiday? And is that because, because the routine changes? Someone else is change, on duty. Someone else is on duty. Okay. And we have complicated bins. We have too many. I, I hate going into a feed room that has 16 or 17 bins. Some of them do. <laughs> Massive and anxiety. I just think that's too much. Okay. I think you can cut it down and cater for your needs within a requirement because it's not hard to, to get it right with not too many. Well, if, you, if you're feeding a roughage-based diet and then you putting what you need in, that's really interesting. Something with, so, so going back to the carbohydrates, some horses can, you know, people love maize-free. There's this whole thing maize-free, it's the cool cube, it's the whatever. Some horses are more energetic on maize and some are more on oats. And that I find very interesting. So is there really any lazy horses, like those warm bloods, yeah. the slugs, I give them oats to try and get them to get going. Mm. If you give them maize, 
They just get fatter and fatter and fatter. I find sometimes they go more upwards this way, you know, and they land up catapulting you this way instead of going that Forward, way. Forward, yeah. yes. So they're just silly. So you do have to play around a little bit with different And there's breeds no... seem to vary. Th- that's we don't know why. So we, there's, no, there's no, like, firm... Not yet. Liter- okay, that's really interesting. Not yet. If you okay. talk to all the people doing research on it, it's still variable. We don't okay. know enough yet. So oh, even more reason for everyone to be very aware of what their horses are eating and be involved in it. And I think it's worth noting that the FEI is holding the the riders responsible from what a, they're eating. Yes, and and I think that's great because it forces well, your hand look a little at, bit. Look at that research. I mean, it was quite yes, concerning. That's that terrifying. Top riders didn't really. Know what <laughs> horses were eating. Uh, listen, I'm 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 always a, I'm always a fan of outsourcing what you need done well to someone who is a professional, but you surely but should you know should what's going on. Absolutely. Um, so we were speaking about a horse's weight and how the roughage should be 2% of that. Mm. What is the best, because I asked Rissa what she th- thinks of weight tapes and she almost fell off her chair. What's the best way to accurately measure your horse's weight? And please use the corgi analogy because I love that. Uh, so I, I always say, yeah, the weight tape just does the abdomen of the horse. And I always think corgi is just like a German shepherd on short legs. <laughs> feeding and it has the, the same, it's the same attitude as a German shepherd. Yeah, definitely. Maybe it's because it got its tail docked. I don't know. I mean, yeah. they just, yeah. So you can't, you can't just do a girth and hope that you've got the right weight on the horse. Yeah. So the best way is a, a weight that I do, which is girth squared. So girth times girth times the length. And the length from shoulder from to? the point of the shoulder to the pin bone, which is that bone that's just below the tail, the tail. at the back. Um, so you okay. go around all those fat bulges that they might have, okay. and you fit by going from the point of the shoulder, you take in that fat pad that is every yes. saddle fitter's nightmare, that's one great. that changes yes. three times a year. Okay, that's okay. great. That changes. Why? Yes. Because our, our haze change. That's really that's interesting. That's why our saddle fitters have to keep changing our saddles. And that's and, and it really is interesting if you think about Perfect. how you can change from cut to cut, though, you know, and especially smaller yeah. yards where they yeah. don't have capacity to store large amounts of grass. But even stored grass isn't great because the vitamin levels in stored grass drops. What's so vitamin E, A, D, and E are the three that drop the fastest. That's really so interesting. So E, again, was uh, my hobby horse that I was talking about just now, mm. drops the fastest, and A and D drop. And so anything that's stored over two months stops having half those vitamins. So you don't actually want so to be storing... What? We're storing hay. Well, we grow hay in the summer and, and we, we have feed to. it through to the end of... Well, mm. until the next cut, which is often November, December. We don't cut before that in the high mm. fault. So, again, we are... Okay. We are. And be I mindful. Often, be very mindful. I often get calls in about October to say, ah, this concentrates crap and my horse is losing weight and they must have changed the formula... Like, it's funny how we do. We no, totally but, blame the concentrate. But but like you say, when you if you ask me what any of my clients' horses were eating, of course I would lead with the concentrates. We don't. Uh, that's yeah. that's how centralized our thinking is, is around it has feeding been horses. For years, like the protein content. Yes. The first thing I, I say is, what do you feed? Ten percent, twelve percent. I actually don't really give them. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't help. But but it doesn't give you a lot of information, actually. No, so one of the biggest problems that we have in South Africa is that our feed requirement to pass the SAMBS standards is that they must provide the protein content, calcium, the phosphorus, and the salt. Those are the only things that they have to require. So no no carbohydrates or sugars need to be listed. 
So then our beta feeds on the market now started coming in. And if you look on the outside of the bag, they give a breakdown of everything, including the vitamins and minerals that they add. So is that so something people something should, be looking, should be looking for on their food for, bags? Yeah. Okay. And protein, you know what? I'm really not worried about protein unless I get the other side of the coin, which is they're feeding two kilos of balance a day and they're adding full fat soya, which okay. is a 45% protein. Sure. And then your horse starts losing weight because he's on the Tim Lotes diet. <laughs> he's, he's in ketosis, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's so, really interesting. And then you wonder why he looks terrible. That's why. So what, if people are looking at their feed bag, what carbohydrates, because I mean, maybe you, I don't know if the carbohydrate levels go higher when the protein levels go higher and people are so erroneously confusing that. So what sources of nutrients they're putting in the bag. Okay. So in South Africa, most of our food is built on, on um, soya. Okay. okay. And that's a really, really good source of threonine and lysine. So it's also a good amino acid source. So we don't so necessarily need to well. supplement those. No. Okay. So we shouldn't actually because most of them are pretty good already. If you're feeding a valuable food, one of the biggest problems is somebody came out with food that they were using um, peanuts as the basic protein source. Oh. And the amino acid um, profile of that was completely wrong for horses. Oh, that's interesting. So that's interesting, yeah. So it is important to know what, but luckily... How do you know if, if, if vets or nutritionists have been involved in making a food? I mean, is there any... You've got to go back on... Most of them have something on the website. So okay. if you go and look for them, some of them don't say a lot. They just say they put all of these ingredients in there. They don't say how much of everything. The better guys will put in, and I'm really lucky. I have an open program from Kentucky Equine Research, who are the people mm. who told me they'd make it interesting. <laughs> And I've been able to put in all the analysis for a lot of the feed companies. They've been good enough to give them to That's me. That's fantastic. They've all been worried that I'm going to copy a food, so some of them don't show me too much. I'm like, there's way too much choice on the market as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I, I'd like less. You know, I'm a supermarket shopper that goes in, buys what I know, and walks out. Yeah. I don't want to see seven brands of we brand. just need just We just need buy. a good brand. Yeah, so just give me something. Give me a few options and be done oh. with so I have that, and that's what I build a lot of my stuff on. Okay. So if people say, listen, I want to feed this particular brand in my yard, then I'll look at it and see if I can fit it to your yard. If I'm not particularly happy, I might say, can we add this in or bring that in or whatever, and then I play around with it. And obviously I do quite a lot with regions, so I feed a lot of horses in the Cape. Um, and that's and then also dealing with totally different grass totally down different. in the Cape. And their climate's different. They've got a Mediterranean climate. Yes, yeah. So their grasses, their grazing is different. Yeah. So I have a very different profile down there. I have much more problem with overweight horses down there than I do here. That's really interesting. They use ote as their basis. And, and that's very, very high sugar. in sugar. That's so interesting. That's Sorry, we got very excited and we moved away from finishing the, the no, the measuring a horse's weight. <laughs> yes, we did. So it was girth squared times so length, length divided by 11877. Seven. Okay. That's great. You better put that in there for someone. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it over into we the comments put immediately. A picture in. I had a picture of someone measuring. We will, um, we will share it we'll when we do the shares to social. So okay. someone, a, a question here from Michelle to say, does the horse digest concentrates in the same way regardless of its content? So, so no. So one of the biggest problems with digesting concentrates is how much you sh shove into them at any one time. Okay, so if you feed more than two and a half kilos, they're not going to digest it as well. And then the way the concentrate has been processed is vitally important. 
So you have everything from raw feed, which is your cheap, I'd almost call it cheap and nasty mm. kind of food that comes out of a lot of these. I mean, there are lots of feed mills. There are lots down in the south that are making horse food. It's basically raw food. And then you can process food. So fruit can be cooked and it can be micronized and it can be extruded. So those are all different processing. The most sophisticated way of processing a food is micronization. And what okay. does what? So that entails the percentage of moisture in the carbohydrate has to be exact. I think it has to be between 11 and 12. I blow the whistle if I'm wrong, but I think it's somewhere there. It has to be exact. And then the carb is so the maize, for instance, will be put onto tiles, like roof tiles, and then infrared light and gases heat heats those tiles, and it converts the starch in the maize, and it's irreversibly. Um, it's almost like pre-digested. Yes, so, okay. and it can't reverse back to its normal form of starch. Oh, that's amazing. So it's irreversible. And the important part of that is it makes it much easier for their guts to digest and, and okay. absorb those nutrients. So it's so really kind of important like you and me to know eating the raw process. maize. We probably yes. wouldn't do so well, but we mm. can eat mealy pup because it's been cooked. Okay. Okay, or popcorn is yes. another good example. Yeah. And actually, if you go and take out some of the micronized maize from a lot of our feeds, You'll, it tastes like popcorn. Oh, that's interesting. So go and have a taste of it. Yeah. I know when, when we were first, you know, um, when feeds were changing, we were talking about in the old days you had to soak barley right, and cook yeah. it and then micronized barley no, came out and it was a total game yeah, changer. Yeah, we don't have to have yeah, pots standing in the kitchen. Yeah, much easier. Starting yeah, and worrying that yeah. you were going to kill your horse because you hadn't, you know, you had done enough, something yeah. wrong. So. so that's basically what we're doing. So that's, that is, has a huge effect on how the horse manages to digest and use the carbohydrates or the food or the nutrients. So lupins, most of the seeds are can be micronized or processed. Okay. So your lupin, your sorghum, your maize, your oats, your barley, your soya. Um, but but people must be aware that yeah. that's so some companies won't. So sometimes so often what are you paying for in a bag? That's I think one of the important things. You're paying right. for the ingredients. So that would be your raw, your raw sources of whatever they've got. And you're paying for your mineral pack. So your mineral pack can go from the one teaspoon of Nescafe to an eighth of a teaspoon because it's actually been shared out between eight bags because actually you must feed eight kilos to get that. So you really need to look at that recommended daily. So that recommended daily feeding on your bag is a big giveaway to how much nutrient and mineral supplement has been added to that. Yeah, so because so you don't want to hopefully be tail. feeding eight kilos of. I hope not. And if you are, you oh. need to be feeding four times a day. Okay. Because two What's kilos the, per meal. Is that the maximum? I wouldn't feed more than two kilos a meal. Okay, that's so a that's a really good. Of that. That's a nice cutoff. They were two and a half. They've come down to two. They reckon two. Julie asking a question here, which I'm sure many people want to know. What is safe for putting on weight without overdoing it and heating horses? So go back to your oil. The okay. oil is probably your best. So fascinating. Horses can actually consume up to a liter of oil a day. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. So when someone says to me, I'm feeding him oil, I'm like, oh, how much? And then yeah, they it's, come it's out a little, little it's scoop. A, I was going to say, it's and a I'm little like, scoop. I eat that much on my salad. It doesn't really and, cut and, it. and you're not in showing condition, not, Rissa, no, so. sorry. That's so, really yeah. interesting. So oil's fantastic. Okay. Start slow. Okay. So... Probably 250 mils twice a day is a, a really nice amount to feed. Okay. So 500 mils a day, so that's half, half mm. a litre. 
um, and start slowly. It takes the body, it's fascinating, it takes the body seven weeks to adapt to using the oil. And is, liver, is that the, the same? The enzymes in the liver have to adapt. Is that the same for for dietary changes? Would you say? No, I would no. say not. I would say that that's the slowest change. I oh, think other really? changes three to four weeks. You okay. be good. And also, if you're changing, so I know when you're changing carbohydrate, um, one feed type to another, depends if you're going up or down. So I talk about going down if you're using more raw food, mm. then you need to go slower. If you're going from raw to processed, then you can change more quickly. Because okay. it's already part digested, as you suggested. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, pre, so pre-eaten. pre-eaten. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and just a, a question, what about linseed oil? Linseed oil's great. Okay. So you can use linseed oil as well. I, I'm happier with canola oil. Just make sure it's not raw linseed, but be careful. Not yes. that stuff you paint um, On the your wood set, with. Yes, That's yeah. toxic to horses. Um, for those who agree to disagree on Lucerne making their horse hot, what alternative roughage options could you recommend? So that's when I stick to things like TEF, or otherwise I would say there's there's some nice mo- feeds on the market now that are a full fiber feed. Mm. You can go for those as well. The horses basically, seem to do it's, well. it's, it's um, basically like, I don't want to say a drought cube. That's kind of what Not the what cubes. I'm not talking about the cubes. I'm actually, there's some fibers on the oh, market. Oh, really? Okay. So it's a chopped fiber. Okay. And they've got some processed um, soils in there, so okay. that makes it more, um, they gain weight without being silly. Oh, so that's, that's lovely. I find a lot of horses happy on that, and clients are happy on that. So. And adding it to the food? So or? you add it to the food, okay. so you would use it as part of your feed. Okay. So, so say you've got a hot horse, so whoever this is. So use your TEF. If the horse is not in great condition, then add some oil, because now I'm, I'm assuming you're trying to keep condition on. Then you can add a fiber, high fiber food, and then a, la- a balancer. Okay. Okay, so you're staying away from your carbohydrates per se mm. and sticking to your fibers and oils to try and keep that condition on them. If, um, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's a bit of a counterintuitive thing, and I'm, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but if you've got horses that are hot, is soaking the grass to d- get some of those soluble sugars out an option? You can, but they will lose, lose weight. weight as well. So it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's the balance. But that's where, again, I go for oil. I use a lot of oil. Okay. My silly ponies, you know, those kids can't ride them, and they're starting to lose weight because oh. they're getting a bit older, Then we add oil. To okay. The so oil's the way to go. And like I said earlier, the krill that I'm now doing, if your oil's walking out of the feed room by yes. the back door, it's a bit of a problem. So you yeah, especially it's, I think it's 100 rand for two liters or well, something. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's also very expensive now. Yes. Oil used to be cheap. Now it's not so cheap, so that is something that we look at. What are some of the considerations in horses when designing a feed program that think people must consider? And I just want people to start looking at horses more individually. So we discussed workload. Um, you said breed specifics as well. Yeah, so work is huge. Breed is the other one. And then obviously our temperaments yes. are the three things. And then you need to go back to what is your basic roughage you have access to. I think that that's... You know, I can't overemphasize mm. quality of roughage. We get, as you know, and we as have you say, if you've got grazing into, in the paddock, that changes the profile again. Yeah, and you've got to have a lot of grazing. But also remember, I have I have a few clients who have the fatter horses on our profiles, mm. and they're like, "No, but look at the grass; it's short." And I'm like, "And look at your lawn. How many times have you mowed that this week?" Mm. Oh. So no, the horses, you're not, the you're horses not mowing your mow paddock. Exactly. So how much are they taking in? Mm. 
four or five kilos. I mean, the, the little guys can, can eat a kilo or two kilos. And especially, I suppose, like in Gauteng now, we've had this, this hectic rain. Yeah. And you don't know actually what your grass is is doing, doing if it's yeah. if it's if you're so, having so a on that rapid topic, growth. We've got a few horses that have got really fat this season, <laughs> and that's just because suddenly I feel this grass is Shame. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> More exercise. Yes. So yeah. and and you know this is the other thing that I've also said to people, and I, we've done it is put in some walkers if you don't have access to. Time yes. and exercise. Put in a walker. Let those horses walk. There's also enough walkers now in a lot of the affluent exactly. neighborhoods, I think, that you, you can walk your horse to the walker and the groom can pop it in there yeah. for 40 an minutes and mm. carry on so making out. That's important. But also, so you asked what's important when you're looking at, um, you know, like how do we feed horses? I think what they're going to do in life is really important. Mm. You know, are they happy hackers? Are they show ponies who are expected to be obesely overweight? Tell know, us how you really feel, Rissa. <laughs> fat hides. I was always taught when we were showing, fat hides a multitude of yes. sin. You don't see all those deformed legs if they're really fat and beautiful. Oh. And unfortunately, obesity it has become an international problem in horses. Mm. It's actually deemed to be more of a problem than undernutrition in horses. Really? I know that it's been very heavily, um, there was a really interesting article in the horse, I'm going to say maybe a month ago, but you know, time flies, it could be a year ago now. And they were saying that the obesity epidemic is influencing the soundness epidemic Jeez. in sport horses Jeez. and saying we've really got to move away from looking at these fat ticks that we all love because their legs are not designed to carry that impact. Yeah. So I, I found something very interesting recently was, recently, was yeah. Tim Noakes made a comment about the fact that when you retire, you should lose 5% of your normal body weight because your limbs can't carry you when you get older. And do we think about that with horses? That's terrible. <laughs> so, so I often have you know, people asking me, we want to keep our old guys looking, looking really fat. skinny or thin. And I'm like, actually, they're looking good for their age because they're rickety and they're getting old. And mm. old people, I mean, my mom would be horrified, but I'm fat next to my mother. Because mm. she's so thin. Frail. And but it's allowed her to go on hiking until she's in her 80s. That's amazing. So, you know, I think that oh. we do we do need to think about what we're doing to their legs by putting so much weight on them. Yes, definitely. So it is. It is you know, we recently had a, a, a congress, the Saiva Congress, a few weeks mm. ago, and he was talking about the fact that um, obesity is the biggest, one of the biggest world horse welfare and, and from what I'm hearing you say, our feed is better than ever before. So it's what we're doing with the feed. It's yeah. that we, we are overdoing it. We are overdoing it. Yeah, we're we to do, blame for we everything. We do, do a lot of the, you know, takeaways. Yes. And I think that that's, that's really one of our biggest problems. Um, besides, besides feeding, what treats are good and not good for horses? It's everything in moderation. Okay. You know, what I do like really is if I've got horses that have got a real problem is to take their feed from the day and use that as a treat. Oh, that's... So, you know, okay. dish up the kilo or whatever they're going to have in the day sure. and just leave some aside and use that as your treat. Okay. Oh. Um, I would rather you use something like, I know um, Ingrid makes, she calls them stud muffins. Yes. So we, yes. she and I designed those because they've got no sugar in them. So those are all for people, for horses yes. who have a lot of uh, obesity problems. So those okay. are great because those are linseed with, I don't remember what she's using to bind them, but okay. those are really low sugar. Carrots are fine, but in moderation, yeah. they have a lot of sugar in them. Okay. You know, apples, 
are even worse. They have even more sugar. So if you've got a horse that's And then we go and give them sugar cubes, which is... Yeah, it's a big <laughs> no-no. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, each horse, but all things in moderation. Okay. And use the things that they naturally eat. I mean, I'll never forget being trained by an Irish show-jumping dressage guy in Zimbabwe. He always picked the grass and treated the horses mm. afterwards with that, and I always thought... Oh, okay. It's funny sense. how they do they but but they it's the it's the concept of getting a reward Something. you know less than what how amazing the reward is. It is yeah. On the on the body scale and um we, I don't have a picture here unfortunately but I think the universally accepted have you got something there? The universally accepted one runs from 1 to Okay, so there're two. There's the 1 to 5 or and one then there's nine. the 1 to 9. So where should our horses ideally be sitting? Because I think this is also a, a bit of the problem. misconception, is that so we don't actually recognise what a healthy horse looks in like. In one to five, they should be sitting at two and a half. Two and a half? Two and a half to three. That's amazing. Three. Two and okay. a half if they are endurance horses or race horses or polo ponies. Or even show jumpers. Because you're speeding along. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so okay. you really don't want them. So if you look at those two pictures. Jeez, yeah, that's a... You've got a and but we the all one on the, the left, the one that you think so thin, what would you score that at? Well, it's hard because when you're looking at it next to the fat, Porky. shiny horse, <laughs> you know, you want to make it a one because you feel very sorry for it. But if you took it out of context, and I suppose also... Um, it's not that thin. No, oh. no, it's not. So it's about a two. That's really interesting. So two and a half to three would just be making that oak look better than he is now because mm. he is a bit lean. He's got no neck. So I was oh, just going to say, a, I think the top line the is other the... thing. We, top lines are not necessarily that you're doing good dressage work. Yes. Yeah, well, definitely not on the, on the porky one at the bottom. Shane. But unfortunately, a lot of horses place a lot of fat on their press, yes. and that is not muscle. But as you say, that's what we use to hide a multitude of sins. So yeah. we add a bit of condition. And then we think we're working. And it's properly. it's really interesting. I know that Belinda Martin always used to say she used to go and choose horses um, at 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 those meat auctions actually. Oh yeah. And she'll go and rescue them. And she said because you could really see what they looked like without without the, the fat hiding exactly. what's what you actually wanted to know about them. Oh yeah. And on the one to nine scale, they should be so sitting they should at be a, about five, four okay. and a half, five. Okay. Six is getting heavier, and then you're going beyond that. Okay. And there's a whole, uh, I mean, besides, besides the soundness issues, there's a lot of metabolic problems so, that come so with the obese horses. Topic, yeah, discussed. I think yeah. we'll have to, we'll have to um, put a pin in that for yeah, a, a discussion soon. There is a question here on fiber length, cube versus fiber chuffs. Okay, so that's one of the things that I actually wanted to talk about earlier when I brought up the thing about how much saliva do they make. So the important thing is that... Will you just turn your microphone to you, but oh, sorry. So We've, yeah, there, yeah, there we okay, go. Okay, so Perfect. the important thing is that the more fiber they eat, the more saliva they produce, the long stem fiber. Mm. Okay, if you eat cubes, think about it like this. If you eat a carrot, and then I give you a carrot cake... <laughs> You're not having to work terribly hard on the, on the carrot cake. That's and what really have you done to get to the carrot cake? Oh, you've already so you've taken you've this again pre-digested it, and you've made a cube out of it. I cannot make this into a cube without doing something to it. Yeah. So it's, so it's not gone the same. through. It's gone through a lot of processing, and it has bran and some binding agents added but to it to make the, it into a cube. I, I'm oversimplifying this, but it feels like the saliva issue would be 
a, a big way towards like again the ulcer epidemic that we big see time. in horses, right? Yeah. Okay, big time. That's really interesting. So that's that's my big thing. And then the other thing is obviously the lucerne. For those of us who like lucerne, has a very high calcium, so it actually acts as a natural um, buffering system and okay. a bandage on the intest on the stomach lining. So okay. we use it a lot to help horses with ulcers. So I will say to people who have got, especially those horses who, you know, you dub the girth and they don't like it and they're a bit mizzy about being ridden, mm. give them the lucerne while you're tacking them up. Mm. And that lucerne actually lies their stomach, lines their stomachs. Okay. And they then think you're quite a nice person yeah, when you exactly. come with the saddle. Exactly. So it has a, a, a dual they, sort of advantage. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, what is your opinion on soaking concentrates? Why? Why would you want to? The only time we ever soak concentrates is we make a soup so when we're trying to get horses to take in more liquid. But that would be the only time I don't soak concentrates. And I think you want to be very careful in our climate. If you soak concentrates, it'll ferment very, very rapidly. Okay. Um, and I suppose also old horses who have nubbly teeth. Yeah. That would be so the... what's very interesting is that the old horses do better with a, a, a small cube, you know, the little rabbit mm. pellet cube, mm. than they do with mooseys. Oh, okay. They find them easier. Well, because... By the time it's made into a cube, it's been made fine. So take yes, a cube and crush true. it. Yeah, it's just it's the fine. powder. Yeah. Take a muesli, which we all like with our yogurt. Yes. It's got nice big flakes in it. They need a lot it's of chewing. It's hard to chew. Mm. Paddock grass. Should we mix grass seeds in paddocks? Yeah, it's great if you can get it to get established. The biggest problem with horses is they're forming shits when it comes to <laughs> pulling up. I don't know. I have a better word. Yeah. Pulling up roots. So they oh. pull out your really good grass. So... Yes, it's a, it's it a space nice, thing. You have to rotate a lot. But you need lot. to rotate and you need mm. to rest your paddocks and get it in. Mm. Yes, it's super. If you've got, I if think also got we're speaking space. from a Kailami perspective yeah. where we do have postage size so paddocks. I, I have a few yards that I feed, as I said, I feed down in the Cape and they have big ryegrass fields and things like that. And we have, so we have an interesting dilemma there because they have a couple of horses with laminitis. So now we have to not have them in there. So we put the cattle in first. Oh, that's interesting. So that the horses can come in behind. Uh, I've seen so some of my Cape friends have been have been putting um, muzzles on. The, putting them out with the grazing muzzles. Yeah. And the ponies look sulky as all. Oh heck. no, they are. They're furious. They so oh. in England we did that, or we did strip feeding. So you would have them in a strip paddock, which was very narrow, and then for two hours of the day they could go in normal grazing, and then back to the strip. Oh, so you've got to. <laughs> They're Patmans. They yeah. they eat a yeah. vast amount in very little time. Yeah. That's their problem. And they go over and over the same. So like you say, they, they do pull up those they roots. They do pull up the roots. So yeah, it's a great concept, but I don't think it's that easy to manage. What is one of the biggest feeding mistakes you see people making? Too much concentrate. Okay. And so trying maybe. to make up for bad hay. So, so all the time I see this, you know, my horses are losing weight, so I've increased the concentrates. But they're feeding more and more and more and more mm. instead of, trying to rectify the problem, which is the roughage. And I, I think in yards now, hay is expensive. So yeah, it's, it's easier so expensive at the moment. To, to feed more concentrates. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying to people, well, then look for some of the high-fiber foods. So the hay comes in mm. a sack. But you pay for that because mm. they've, mm. you know, the companies had to get the hay mm. and put it in. But yeah. be very so you careful. Think you, you think you're being frugal, but you may as well buy, go and buy the bale. Be very careful of replacing your hay with your cubed haze. Okay. Okay, or hay replacement pellets. They it goes are, again to the fiber length. Yeah, they are useful and they have a place, but you can't replace the stuff. Mm. Def. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't. 
Det kan sende. I mean, I always people always say to me, you know, which feed company supports you or do you support? I say I don't. I support the farmers. If mm. I could have a farm, that's lovely. Tech, that's actually a lovely way of looking at it. That That is my thing. That's great. Is there anything else that you would like to? I think we've covered pretty much everything. Is there anything else that you'd like to cover? I'm sure we're going to have to have you back a few times. The dogs have had enough. Oh, that <laughs> that, that was Rissa's dog, not my stomach. Thinking oh, of so McDonald's drive-through. Yeah. yeah. So I think the most important thing is your roughage. Make sure your roughage is good. Don't deworm your horse just because it's not carrying condition. Because that's the mm. first thing that I always get told is I have dewormed it. I'm like I don't think for a minute it's worms. Mm. Uh, no. You've had cold talking yeah, but, to you yes, about that. Yes. Yes. Um, and then make sure that you are feeding a quality food and that you're getting your bucks worth because sometimes you might be giving the quarter teaspoon of Ness. of, of Nescafe rather exactly. than the one. And if you just paid more for the one bag, it might be a better way of feeding your horse. I think that's a really you do get what you pay for and, and, and people need to be mindful. And unfortunately at the end of the day, when I look at prices, that is what you're paying for. Mm. I've even noticed with human supplements that you'll you'll see there's vitamin C and vitamin C, and when you turn it around, the one's got 10% of your recommended daily, daily allowance, balance, and yeah. you know the other one. And I mean, don't get me started on supplements, but it's the same. Well, I think the supplement conversation is an easy. It's another one that we should discuss, but mm. nothing replaces good a good feeding regime. No, nothing. And you don't need a lot of supplements if you feed well. Mm. So don't be tempted. To and if go your horse is a paddock ornament. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> But don't go and buy hundreds of supplements. Rather come, let's discuss what you're feeding first, and mm. then I'll tell you whether you need supplements or not. There are very mm. few supplements horses need if they're on good feed. I think also we, we had a talk last week about um, joints yeah. and joint supplementation. And again, there's, it's really interesting. There's very little proof that horses Almost can absorb um, those supplements. So a lot of the time I think we do things that make us feel better as horse owners, mm. but aren't, our horses aren't actually getting the benefits of and I think one other take-home, don't change 20 things and mm. then yes. you don't know what you That's changed. Good. And then you won't ever stop any of them because something worked. <laughs> they become superstitious. It is. Exactly. Expensive experimentation. Yes. Rather do one thing at a time and then you'll know what's helped you. And I, th I think also what I'm hearing is do try and work with a vet or someone overseeing the project yeah. because – like, for example, you said the oil can take seven weeks to work, but other things can take three weeks. Yeah. So you need to, you need to give to things the appropriate that. length yeah. of time. Yeah, and it's a work in progress. Things change. Your horse goes from one level to another level or stops working because it's injured or you go on holiday. And then the summer grass comes in. And, yeah, and I mean, you can't get the hay. It's so frustrating. There's lots of things. And you need to. So feeding is it's dynamic. It's yes. not something that you can set in stone. Isn't everything with horses? Yes. It's just there's so many variables. A friend of mine's horse is sick and she's a vet, and she, so her father-in-law's looking after her. Oh, shame. <laughs> so she's overseas. So at the end, I just said, and why did he do this? Because he's a horse. Yeah, yes, yes. I thought there was a lovely meme going around on uh, social media early on saying that small animal vets are so much worse than big animal vets, like horse vets, because small animal vets make you feel terrible because your dog ate something, where horse vets will say, it's a horse. It's a horse. What's your of problem? Course it's trying to kill itself. Well, this is all we're doing is trying to stop it from killing itself. Yep. So I definitely think that's, yeah. that's, that's are, to be considered. They are dynamic changes. My favorite thing about the gut, I remember you speaking to me about this years ago, 
was talking about the pelvic flexure. <laughs> and you were saying, and Rissa was speaking to me, and she says, and now you've got 50, 50 meters of gut, and for some reason it does a 180 degree turn. Why? 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 Who would design an animal like this? Yes. And it's just never left and me. <laughs> it goes from yeah. being this wide to this wide.